0: Good evening, as we are saying this morning we are here again to worship the God of heaven and that all that we do on this occasion is we say will be beneficial to him as we worship him this evening. I want to begin by saying is we know one thing for sure, Ron's eye surgery paid off for him. (laughs) He done a good job (laughs) in that respect and we understand. This evening we were going to continue looking at our subject of God is able. This sermon here called simply God is able to comfort us. Since it is quite lengthy in all that it covers, I'm going to split it into two parts. And do part of it this evening and next Sunday even the other part. And in the last Sunday we'll look at the last one of this in this series. One of the things that is obvious to every one of us because we read it either in the headlines of the paper, we hear it on the news every day. And that is someone being shot and killed. It has become a part of our culture, not only here but throughout all of our country. This goes on day in and day out. That somewhere during the day, Either if it clicks on your phone, if you have the apps for the new stations, it will remind you, place are in a certain area, someone has been shot. Which reminds us, not only with that, but other means and other ways people have died through the years, whether it is sickness, or simply just as we say, natural causes, or some other kind of accident. It makes us aware of one thing, this world has been filled with tears from the beginning of time and will until the end of time. When we think about it for a moment, it would really bongle the mind of how many tears have flowed, how many rivers would be flooded by the tears that have been shed by different people all through the ages as they are filled with the sorrow and the heartbreak of losing of loved one. When we look at this, we realize even here this evening among us, they may be those even here this evening that are hurting or grieving and worried about someone who's sick or having problems and wondering if the next breath might be their very last. The losses, the crosses as we call them at times, simply are a part of our daily lives and it seems to us at times endless, that it doesn't seem it'll ever stop that we can never have a day or two without something happening, some kind of grief, death, or something along that line that makes our news day after day. The thing about it is, though, as God's people, we have something within our, within our ability and grasp to, to cling to that the rest of the world does not have. As God's people, when we seek comfort, when we are looking for help, when we're looking for those times when we are letting tears flow as our heartaches hurt and what is going on around us, we have wonderful news. And that news is this, that our God is able to comfort us. When Paul began his second epistle to his congregation at Corinth, in verse 3 of that first chapter, he reminds us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Notice in that that Paul emphasized the fact that he is the God of mercies, but he emphasized the fact that he is the God of all comfort. And so when we look at this for a moment, this is a, we would say, a grand topic. It is a topic that we would think about for a moment is beyond our full ability to grasp, even as we look at it this evening and next Sunday evening. A lifetime would never begin to give us all that we could fully understand how powerful, how gracious, and how comforting our God can be in times of sorrow. Sorrow. As we noticed last week as we began, our God is active and He is alive. He's not dormant. He hasn't gone off on a trip somewhere. He hasn't turned Himself around and says, I don't care no more. Our God is still active and alive. And by doing so, He can help us in ways that's beyond our ability to fully grasp and understand. When we think about this, it reminds us of Psalm 34 and verse 8 which says, O taste and see... That the Lord is good, blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. We need to learn the vice of that psalm and hope each of us will taste the good of our Lord above in all of our lives. He sends us every day the sunshine, the rain, the flowers in the spring, the fall colors And even the time of winter with the snowy weather and so forth all comes to Him because He wants to bless us and take care of us. And we are in a time when our nation seems to throw God aside. We don't want Him. We don't need Him as a nation. We want something else. We want something grander. We want something more relevant for our time. And He's been cast away. But as we're going to learn, it is the God of heaven who's able to comfort us beyond all our imagination. And we looked at last week, He's able to challenge us to believe in Him. And we'll look, last of all, that He's the ability to change us into what we need to be. We need to taste, and we need to see, and we need to understand, our God is good. We need, in this day and time, to simply stop, sit down, and count the blessings sit down and remind ourselves and point out the fact in our own lives the good God has done for us and taking care of each of us individually, helping us when through times of sorrow, through times of joy, difficulty, whatever it may be. We need to sit down and remind ourselves of how good God is and how He was able to comfort us. So this evening we're going to look at another psalm. This is a psalm that gives us what we call a glimpse of the power and the greatness of our God. It is Psalms 8. And when this psalm begins, it begins as if the psalmist was like an astronomer. Whether he's looking through a telescope on a hillside, or he's in a great observatory with a humongous great telescope, is able to see miles into space. He is looking through that as he gazes at the stars at night. And he's gazing through the telescope, and as he works his way and moves it around to gaze at what he sees above him, he is in awe of the majesty and the power and the glory of God. He points out the fact that no matter as he looks at the vastness of God's creation, he also realizes how great the name of God is and what it represents when we talk about our Heavenly Father. He also realizes well that the breathtaking glory of God exceeds all that is found in the heavens above. Why does he say when he begins, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Notice though as he begins this particular psalm, notice how he begins it. Notice how he addresses the God of heaven. He's not the Creator. He is not the Lord God. He presents Him to us as our Lord God. Pointing out the fact that God is personable. That God is within reach of every one of us. And when you think about that for a moment, can we begin to phantom the thought that we as these, as human beings on this earth have the ability and have the right as His children to call Him our Heavenly Father? How can it, how can it be that this God who is all powerful, this Almighty Creator of all the vast universe, Be so personable that we can call Him our Lord. But yet, this is the wonder that is expressed throughout all the Psalms from beginning to end. He is our Lord. He is our Shepherd. He's the Father of the Fatherless. He is our God. He is our rock. He is our salvation. And he lets us know by this, the psalmist does, that God is up close and He's personal with all of His creation. Look at verses 3 and 4. And when I, think, when I look at your heavens, which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the Son of Man that you care for him? Oh, the psalmist here is letting us know as he's began. Here's something that He's saying to all of us. I want it. And He says, I want you to want it. I want you to taste and to see and observe the glory of God. As I observe the sky at night. In the Matthew and the Beatitudes, as Jesus began that sermon Amount the Mount, reminded us there, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How is that possible? We see Him through His Word. Each time we pick it up, each time we read of it, each time we observe it, we see God in His Word, His power, His magnitude, as He describes him, and we see His works and what He has done for mankind all through the years. We see Him, as we say, if we look at His creation. We know that God exists. We know of His abundant power and ability. But the sad point of it is many will never see this. Many will never be able to observe the fact of the God of heaven because they don't really believe in Him. And they don't care. They're all set for themselves. But in this psalm, David is not just amazed at God's creation. What he is really amazed is this, that God would even be mindful of him. Think about that. God is mindful of me. He asked the question, What is man that you are mindful of him? We look at another way we could ask it in this question, Who am I? Who am I that the God of heaven would even care? When we think about it, our earth is just a speck among, as we say, this vast universe that He has created. We are just a small speck of dust on the earth, as it were when we count ourselves in relation to this whole universe that He created. And we still ask, why would God even care about man, let alone crown him with glory and honor? As he states in verse 5 of this psalm, David was wondering, as each of us needs to, Why in the great scheme of things would God even care about someone like me? What makes me special? Each person could ask that question. What makes me special to God? After all, when we look at ourselves, we're weak, we're sinful, and sometimes we're rebellious and presumptuous. Which makes us ask, why is God patient? Why is God still loves me? Me, of all people. Why does He still love me? So we ask ourselves at night, as you may lay down on the grass and look at the sky above and all the multitudes of stars that we can see with our eye. We must still ask ourselves, Why does God care about me? And after being in 16 years into this 21st century, and about 7 to 8 billion people living on the face of the earth, we still going to ask again this same question. Why does He still care? And why would He care about me? Because His love is as great as His glory. That's it. His love is as great as His glory. We can marvel along with Apostle John in chapter 3 and verse 1 of his first epistle. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. So we are. His love is as great as His glory. John was amazed. Or else he wouldn't have said what he did. The psalmist is amazed at what he said concerning the heavens and declared the glory of God. And each time we sit in this building and we worship the God of heaven in song and in prayer or from a lesson or we surround the table, let us never, when we gather together, never be ashamed that we are standing in the maze of the presence of the God of heaven. That while we're here, He's told us He's in our midst. He's with us even this evening, though He is vastly far away. Yet He says we're, what, two or three? I'm in the midst. Why would God care? We all know and understand the greatest example of God's greatest of love and compassion for mankind was truly expressed in the gift of His Son, we all know and understand that it is truly the greatest culmination. If you want to say the love of God, it is the gift of his son. What did his son do? His son walked among us as the great physician. And we read over and over again throughout all four of the gospels, where in a multitude of people that would be gathered around him, it was same, he healed many of various diseases. And when you think about that, just that alone, John was right. If I wrote down everything that I have seen him do and say, the books of this earth could not contain them. Could you imagine if we gathered any insight to every person he healed and whatever was wrong with and how it was, how they recovered from it, whatever would be amazing. He did all that because He had compassion. But He really came to heal our broken hearts and our broken lives by the golden cord of the love of God. And to cleanse us from our sins and to make us whole again. But here's the thing. when you stop and think about it, you have to be amazed and still would have to be amazed 21 centuries later that God still even cares much less still has compassion for us, mankind that He created. Why? Let's look at it for a moment through our eyes. We're human. We all know that. That's a statement we can say and almost laugh at, but it is true. But one of the things happens to us is humans. Do we not, as humans, become calloused, and hardened at things that continue over and over and over and over again? We reach a point where we're not shocked anymore. We come to a point where we almost find ourselves as it were having a hard time of being compassionate toward someone and the problems they're having in life. So it makes us think for a moment that all through the centuries that everything God has seen, it makes you wonder. Has God's heart not become hardened and callous like ours? Why hasn't it? Ours has. We read in the news of another shooting in some part of town. We go, well, just another day. And we think no more about it. We wonder for a moment about ourselves individually. That at times, do we find it difficult for each of us to turn the other cheek when someone wrongs us again and again and again. That we find it hard to continue forgiving someone who keeps doing it over and over again against us and keeps coming back and asking us to forgive them, we have a hard time of saying, yes, I forgive you. It's hard for us to do it. Why? Because we've got to the point in our hearts and minds, we just don't care anymore. We don't care. We have wronged God over and over and over again from beginning of time to now. We all have. We can say that is a whole statement that mankind has continually from beginning time to now grieved the heart of God. Have wronged Him horribly, the things that we have done. But then let's turn it over. And let's ask it this way. Let's be more specific. How many times have we personally hurt and offended the God of heaven in our weak and sinful ways? The heartbreak man has experienced, the problems that he has gone through all down through the centuries in our mind, should be enough to cause the God of heaven to be callous and uncaring. Talk to those who work in hospitals. Talk to those who are caregivers. And they will tell you over a period of time of seeing it over and over again, day in and day out, there's no more care anymore. They finally reach the point they don't feel no, they don't feel empathy anymore. They don't feel compassion. Why? They've seen it day after day after day. And we almost think the God of heaven is the same way. But let's remind us of something. You see, God was there in the beginning. When man sinned, he was there when Cain shed his brother's, Abel's blood on the ground. He was there when Adam and Eve buried that son. He's there. He witnessed all of this. And we tend to forget that all down through the ages, That God has been beside every grave of either a grieving parent, child, or a family member at a graveside as they grieve at the loss of a loved one. He has been at every gravesite. Deity was there when the Egyptians killed the firstborn through two years of age, to thin and to cut out the population of the Israelite nation while they were living in Egypt. Deity was there when they cried out in the horror of what the taskmasters were doing to them as they doubled their load. He was there when David mourned the loss of that son. Deity was there when the prophets of God were killed by the Israelite nation to stand as they stood up trying to get them to get back with God. All through the Old Testament over and over again we see it. We see it. Yet! Yet! When Lazarus died... What does it tell us? He wept. Through all of the centuries of witnessing death of people over and over again, He wept at the great side of Lazarus. Why? Because our God still cares. Our God still cares. He had witnessed it. Yet he still cried again and again. This is what makes the God of heaven different from us. Yes, we've become callous. Yes, we've been conditioned and we begin cold hearted. We're impatient with each other. Even our own brethren. But second Peter three nine reminds us the Lord is not slack or slow to fulfill his promise in some count slackness or slowness, if you please. But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There's the difference. That's the difference between us and God. His untiring love for His fallen creation, His continued compassion toward each and every one of us never ceases. Never ceases. So you see, our God is able to comfort us. Our God is willing to do that very thing. For he is the God of all comfort, as Paul describes him. He does it because he loves us. He does it because he cares for us. He does it because he wants to. That's the difference between our God. And us. He is truly the God of all comfort. And truly, His love is as great as His glory in heaven. This evening, if you're not a child of God, here's the opportunity to become one this evening. The God of all comfort is still standing here in His love for you, desiring that you'll come to Him and ask of Him that you want to become a child of His. He's promised you that He will save you if you'll obey Him. He will comfort you in the sense that He'll forgive you of your sins and that life you've been living that's wrong. He'll forgive you as you lower yourself in the water, graves of baptisms to raise to walk that new life that Paul selectively describes in Romans 6. Why? Because he is a God of all comfort. This evening He wants to comfort you by having you become His child. And from this day forward He will help you. He will take care of you. He will be there when you need Him. But this evening if you're a child of God who strayed from that truth, That you've strayed from Him. You've brought heartache and harm upon Him. You've embarrassed Him. You've brought sin and reproach in your life against Him as a child of His. He's asking you the same thing. Come home. Come home. I'll comfort you. If you ask Me in the right way in the humble heart, I will forgive and forget and comfort you, strengthen you and guide you from this day forward as you return back to the fold of safety think of that while together we stand and while we sing.